This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Fresco, and welcome back to our podcast. I, Tom, I feel like this one is, uh, like, if we didn't do this one, I feel like I'd be doing an injustice to our friendship for your sake. Well, I, I don't know about that, but it, it was one that um, we kind of, I, I mean, I came up with it off the cuff. Um, yeah. Well, I, basically, my son was playing with some old action figures and said, who's this guy? And uh uh, and the figure was of Andre the Giant, so I decided, you know, that would be a pretty interesting podcast because there's a lot of interesting uh, folklore out there about him, and you know, he's one of these individuals that uh, people maybe might recognize the name, or you might not even know, you may not recognize the name, but you might recognize his likeness that you see all over the place, right? those Obey stickers and things like that. Um, that's that's based on him, and people have heard of him, and if you Google him into that, you're going to find all sorts of information, and he lived a really um, interesting life, although a very fast, uh, quick life. Also, yeah. and I know you had, and I know you had a connection with it too. I guess we'll get to sometimes in the podcast. You have a little bit yeah. of a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we could get, yeah. it is interesting. Yeah, but um, one of the teachers at my high school actually uh, dated him, like lived with him, like she was like his wife to be or fiance or something. Um, yeah, when he died, she was like really, really sad. So that's kind of how I knew of Andre the Giant, but obviously everyone knows about Andre the Giant. So. I guess it's not a conventional episode per se. It's not, I mean, it's not. Well, I mean, we talked about, I was thinking of it this way because my wife was like, well, really, you're doing Andre the Giant? Like, and I'm like, well, <laughs> no, we talked about like some other historical figures, although he's not like a historical figure. He is a, it is, he is a, he almost is a historical figure. Like the folklore I guess, right? and stuff Pop about culture, it. Yeah. On. Like he's, he's a, a modern day one, more or less. It's like when we talk about David Crockett and all the crazy things, you know, that they yeah. supposedly David Crockett could do in an episode back. Now we're talking about Andre the Giant. Andre Rene Rusimov, better wise known as Andre the Giant. Very, I was going to say Rusimov. Um, and, and you are a very intense wrestling fan. Yes, that is. Um, <laughs> that's I guess people who know me know me. I, <laughs> I, I, it's not as much as I was when I was a kid or when I was even like a teenager. But um, actually, yes, it probably is. I, it probably is. I mean, sure I, I've is. never. I was never into it per se. Again, hey, communist Poland. Come on. Um, but you know what's interesting is that even in communist Poland in the 1980s, where color TV was something that you know one family member had, you know, like in yeah. your entire town, we knew who Andre the Giant was, and and we knew who Hulk Hogan was. You know, this is yeah, like they kind these, of transcended a lot. They of, transcended all that. Yeah, yeah no my, iron curtain we, there. My grandparents who came from Poland. They we used to watch. It was always used to be on TV to wrestling when we go to their house, and that's one way that my grandfather learned English was watching professional wrestling. He oh, would just watch it. And that's how he that's how he would learn English. That's kind of funny. So it kind of just I would watch it with him, and actually he would like learn English, you know, by watching it. So well, there you all go. right. So uh, I guess let's uh, let's talk about uh, one of your. By we the way, talk a about, yeah. I mean, you, you the first ever wrestling event I went to was with you, and this was a, probably like fifteen years ago. Oh, yeah, when the little kid was giving the middle finger to John Cena? Yeah. 
We turned around and we we're like, F you, John Cena. And like, I turned like, around like, and it was like this like three year old yeah, and his father's like, yes. holding him proudly. And yeah, I was like, like, oh, a, man. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy, a little bit crazy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, Andre, Rusimov, how would you say his name? Rusimov. Rusimov. Rusimov, right? Yeah. Um, so he was French. He was right? French. So, Born in France, yes. May 1946. May yeah. 19th, 1946. And um, we'll just get out of the way now. He stood. He had a um, giganticism, right? This yes. Excess, because of an excess of growth hormone. Um, and but giganticism, that, I, th- I thought, was like when he was little, he had that. Eventually, he winds up having acro... What is, how do you pronounce this? Acromegial? Nah, I can't say it. Yeah. Um, acromegaly, which is basically... Yeah. it's um, It makes everything bigger, like your forehead, the jaw, the nose. Um, it really... The deepened voice, right? The um, yep. problems with his vision he had later on, um, the joint pain he has feet. later on, everything yep. just keeps on growing. And basically, he he was told this um, in the mid-70s when he went on for tour of Japan. The Japanese doctor said, listen, this is what you have. We can remove this gland that will stop it. And he said, no. He said, yep. just leave it. Um, and he knew it was going to shorten his life anyway. Um, but yeah, he, he he left it in. And um, he, But he was, he was huge. Um, obviously, his early life. He was at birth, he weighed 13 pounds and he displayed Imagine. a lot of the symptoms of giganticism very early on. He was yeah. always, they said he was always a good head taller than the other kids, abnormally large hands. By the time he was 12, he stood six foot three. Wow. Which is huge. Um, yeah. which, is, which is just massive. Um, and they said what he would do is he would work, um, he worked, his family had a farm and he would work on his farm. He had three brothers and stuff like that, sisters. And they said, you know, he could do the work of like three other men because he was just so big and strong too. That's another thing with the giganticism. It's not only that you're so much bigger, but your body's producing so much more testosterone and everything else. He, he, he was a powerhouse, especially when yep. he was like a younger kid, just like yep. muscles and rip. And just like, I, he was just amazing as far as his like feats of strength. This is at like 13, 14, 15 years old. Yep. And in, in France, actually, at the age of 18, even during peacetime, one was drafted, had to do required yeah, one year in the French military. And uh, when he turned 18, um, he was drafted like every other kid. And when he arrived um, at the base, it, they said he was too large to fit into any required uniform. Um, but then, like, besides that, they couldn't even make him a custom one. There was not a single bunk that could actually hold him. And it was impossible. This is what really kind of said he was, he only lasted a couple of days and they're like, okay, you can't do this. Um, it was impossible for him to fit inside any trench um, or big. any ground combat whatsoever, like to take part in any ground combat at the time. So they basically told him, all right, go home. Like <laughs> you don't have to stay. That's how big he was as an 18 year old. Yeah. He was massive. And just to get back to his younger thing, I, this is something that people know, but um, the, the famous playwright novelist, Samuel Beckett, I'm sure you saw this yep. in your research. They actually made yeah, a little yeah, movie cool. about. They made a little movie about it too. Actually, took up residence right in France. Um, commissioned local laborers to build his cottage where he was going to like write plays and stuff in the 1950s. And it was just a few hundred yards away from where the Rufino, the Rusamos lived. And um, he used to actually drive Andre the Giant to school every day. And his pickup truck. It said his in the back truck. of his pickup and, like, truck. And a lot of the other um, local kids, uh, yeah. local kids too. Um, but he actually had some this debate about how much we had actually st- stuck, um, struck up a kind of a friendship with Andre the Giant. Um, you know, he wasn't Andre the Giant yet, but you talking about how telling him stories and stuff like that. And they would actually talk to each other. And they made a bunch of um, a couple movies about it too, like made for TV movies, like My Dinner with Andre the Giant, Sam, yeah. uh, Dee Dee. That's what Andre the Giant was called by his um, family, was Dee Dee. Huh. So let's kind of get into it. And I feel like you're going to definitely probably take the lead on this one. But 
let's talk about like his rise to fame. Let's talk about like what he's actually known for. And then, and I think we'll return after that to some of like the more, I would say fun facts, but interesting facts, facts, interesting facts and stories like the folklore, the stuff. Folklore. Yeah. Like what makes him so entrenched in in popular culture. And, uh, You know, and again, this is a history teachers talking podcast, but we talk about pop culture in class all the time. So, all right, let's uh, let's get into Andre the Giant. You know, like how does he become a wrestler? How does this start? Well, Why he, is he known? He quit school. He mm-hmm. was pretty good in school from what I read, right? I'm sure you saw that too. I saw that too, yeah. But he basically decided, what are, he, I'm going to be a laborer, so there's no yeah, point. Yeah, he said, I'm going to be a farmer. I don't need school. Yeah. I don't need school. So he was like, I don't need to do that. And he worked on, you know, he worked on hay, on hay balers and stuff like that. And again, he was just so physically powerful. Um, but he didn't really like that either. And then at the age of 18, he moves to Paris and he was, um, taught by a local wrestling promoter, um, mm-hmm. who basically said, this guy's huge. So I can, uh, you know, teach, if I can teach this kid how to wrestle, um, it'd be very helpful on wrestling. And I'm not going to get into too much into wrestling. It's not a wrestling podcast, but just yeah. for the, um, different fans. Yes. Wrestling is fake, right? It's predetermined. But in the 1970s, that was still, it was known, but it was still very, very kept on the wraps. And if you went to a professional wrestler and said, this is fake, they, they would break your nose. They, yeah. they would hurt. They would hospitalize you and say, how fake is that? Which was something yeah. that happened into like the mid eighties, early nineties still. Um, and so Andre to get, to get taught was a big deal. They're teaching his 18 year old um, what to do. And he was built, he was built as basically this, um, as Jean Ferre, which is basically this mythical French giant that lives in the woods. Did he have a mask on? Because I read somewhere that his parents would actually watch him on TV, not knowing that it was when, him. When he when he wrestled in Japan, he wrestled as the That's Great Destroyer, was. and he yeah. would wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. Because I read At that time. like he's grown so much since he left his household at the age of like fifteen. Yeah, they, that they when didn't his parents him. actually yeah. saw him on TV, they had no idea they were watching his son, their own son, rather. Yeah, he was, he was called Monster Arusimov there, in order, yeah. or sometimes in the Great 70s, Destroyer. Right? Yeah. yeah, in the early 70s. And that's what they used to do with him early on, um, is that because he was so large and he was still growing, is that he was used, again, it, the wrestling wasn't on TV. It was on TV, but not like there wasn't cable TV and stuff. Like it was very different. So he would come into your town. It would be billed as like, you know, this mass, this monster Romanoff, things like that, would come into the area and um, it'd be a big deal when you would see this guy walk around. Again, yeah. at this time, he's, a, he's, he's about 7'4" which is huge yeah. when you really think about it. Um, and he's he's in the 400-pound range. He becomes even larger later on. Yeah, eventually he, he's like in the 500s, right? In 500-pound range, yeah. yeah. Um, and what he does is he meets Vince McMahon Sr., not the Vince McMahon if you follow wrestling now, but the Vince McMahon Sr. of the WWWF. And he suggested a whole bunch of different changes. One, he decides that right, we're going to call him um, – because Andre John was actually really athletic. He could do like um, flips and stuff like that, drop kicks. He said, no, get, stop doing all those things, okay? We're yeah. just going to bill you as Andre the Giant. And you're going to do this really intense schedule um, that you're going to wrestle all around the world. But you're only going to be there for like a, a few weeks, a few months at the most. To keep him kind of from being overexposed in any one area. And he was always guaranteed a large amount of money for doing this. And that's really what um, started making him become famous is he would be in a town or a territory for a couple months. And you have to go see this, this Andre Giant guy while you're there. And then he would then he would just vanish. He would he'd work a couple of fuse and he would be gone. And you'd go to another territory. And so it was always something new, always somewhere new. That's basically what was going on. I think at one point, though, wasn't he the highest paid wrestler? He was the highest paid wrestler at that point all the time. I think he was making over four hundred or $700,000 a year, which in yeah. the 1970s was a huge amount of money. Yeah. And that kind of goes that. into some of the other things I guess we could talk about now is that whenever he went out, um, they said he was very generous. He always paid. He yep. always paid. He always paid. He refused to let anyone else pay. He, one reason was because he had money. He wanted. To, he, he had no problem spending it. 
But another reason was because he he consumed a huge amount of food and alcohol, which we'll get to. He's like, yeah. no one else is going to, I don't want anyone else paying for me. And he was actually pretty good friends with, um, I'm sure you saw this story, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. yep. And um, so one time Schwarzenegger actually is able to somehow get, a, get, get the waiter and pay for the bill ahead of time. And Andre was like, no, and if I go out, I pay. And Schwarzenegger's like, no, he's like, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, this is after yeah. he made like the Conan movie. That I can, yeah. yeah, because um, how do they know each other? Because Andre Giant actually played, if you watch the first Conan movie, the Destroyer one, that yeah. like weird monster with the horn. Yep, yep, yep. he fights. That was Andre Giant. Yeah. I costume. didn't know that. Yeah, that was I didn't Andre know that. Giant. I mean, I knew, I know that because I was doing research for this, but I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, I see Andre pictures. I you see pictures of him and Arnold like on a set of Conan, and and Arnold looks like a little child small. next to him. And that's what and that's how he treated Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, "I'm paying. I already paid." And Andre Giant's like, "No, I pay." He's like, "He's like, but no, listen, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger." He's like, "No, let me." Understand. He's like, "I pay," and he picked him up. He said he picked me up like a child. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He still tells the story. He picked yeah. me up like a child, and he put him on like a a dresser, like this like bookshelf that was in the restaurant, <laughs> and just left him there, and just left him there, and said, "I pay." And you're just like, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, he's like, this guy picked me up. He's like, I'm not a small man. And he picked me up like nothing and just placed me up on top of this dresser and walked away. And he just said, I pay. I was like, what are you going to do to that? So anyway, um, that's another one of those stories. So after Japan, right, he gets, he gets to the U.S. Like you said, he does like this whole world thing. What what would you say? At what point do you think he becomes like WrestleMania three? Like, or is that way before again? Again, um, this is me kind not of not a wrestling podcast, but you know, for people yeah, like me that are podcast, ignorant, but he's ahead. already huge. He's 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 widely popular at this point. Okay, he has and a it, back. It would mean, I know he's got a back injury in the mid eighties that actually has to wear a belt for from that point forward. Yeah, he wears a brace. Slows you, down. You'll see. Um, whenever you see him wearing the uniform, the I guess outfit that a lot of people are used to see, seeing him wear. Yeah, like that which one is, piece which, thing. Which was a one piece with a black singlet. The reason mm-hmm. he started wearing that was because he wears a back brace underneath because his back was so messed up. Yeah. He also broke his ankle a little before that. And when a when a seven foot, 500 pound person breaks their ankle, it's a major injury. So it, yeah. it took him a long time to recover. And you ever see pictures of the injury. It's gruesome, especially this is in the 1970s and early 80s. And you have to understand too, he's doing a lot of travel, but the guy's seven four, 500 pounds. He fits in nothing. And I think well, you know, talking about travel, did you like? I'm sure you probably impossible. you know looked into that, but like he and eventually he started obviously with the money. He would get business class, but even business class, he always had to enough. get multiple seats. Seats he couldn't fit. And this, remember, he's going back and forth to Japan. Yeah, like a lot of these times, these massive flights, and he they said he's too big. What they would have to do when he had to relieve himself, they would call the oh, flight. Did you read this one? Yeah, and he'd have to, and he'd have to. He would go into the bathroom in a bucket. They put a curtain around him. He would go into the bathroom in a bucket, and then they would you know. Dump it out. Oh, that was in the hotel. Yeah. The yeah. In the hotel, they said it's because the toilets, no toilet could support him. So when he was him. in hotels, sometimes he had to literally like sit on a tub as if that was his tub. toilet to go to the yeah, bathroom. And then, and then there was one, I remember Hulk Hogan was telling the story um, on the documentary. Him and Hulk Hogan, we'll talk about them, I guess, their big match, but they were yeah. very good friends. Andre the Giant was Hulk Hogan's best, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant was Hulk Hogan's best man at his wedding. Yeah. So they, awesome. they were, they were very close. Um, but he told this story of how, the um the tub was even too small he couldn't even get into like the bathroom so all he did was he took he laid a bunch of newspaper out on the bed and just went to the bathroom on the bed nuts and then he like called hulk hogan in the come and look what he did he's like look at this look at this brother you know and stuff like that and you know it's funny (laughs) but it's also very sad because like this is what he had to do because it was just he was just too big imagine everything being too small for you and it gives people at home an idea they would they would show this 
is that his pinky ring, you could take a silver dollar and slide it through. Yep. So that gives you the idea of how large his hand. When he would drink beer, he would drink like a six pack almost that one. He could palm, he could physically palm a six pack. That just gives me I mean, there's the like story, there's stories. Yeah, that, and, like, and we'll he, get into that. We get into those. Stories. Yeah, like he, he consumed like over 7,000 calories worth of alcohol every day. And, 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 like, and, and he wasn't drunk. Yeah, it didn't affect him. Well, okay, that one, so, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to Yeah, this. okay, we'll get to that. All right. So, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to so it in the fun facts. Yeah, sure. All right. So he becomes known, right? He, he's What's well known. Here? WrestleMania one, WrestleMania two. He's, he's a good guy. Okay. He is, he is uh, what, what's called in the wrestling business a face. He's a good guy. Everyone loves him. They love Andre the Giant. Um, so he, but he is winding down his career. He's getting a lot harder for him to, he gets, he does get back surgery um, to prolong his career a little bit because Vince McMahon Jr., the Vince McMahon that people know if they follow wrestling now, buys this company from his father basically. And he says, oh, I have this great plan he, uh, for WrestleMania. They have the first two, Madison Square Garden, the other one's in three different places. Doesn't matter, but he wants to sell out um, the Pontiac Silverdome, right? Mm-hmm. In Detroit, Michigan. And, it's, it sets the indoor indoor attendance record at that time. It stands for a number of years, ninety three over 93,000. And the main event is Hulk Hogan versus Andre Giant. And Andre Giant, up to this point in the WWE, he was being he was built as undefeated, right? You could never beat Andre Giant. Um, Hulk Hogan was also this unbeatable. He's, he was champion for like three years in a row, which doesn't happen anymore now, right? So they're, they're, they're four, and they were always best friends. They always teamed up a lot of times, okay? Now, again, if you were a wrestling fan in the 70s, they, Hulk Hogan and Andre Giant did fight before. They actually fought at Shea Stadium. My dad tells me my dad was there. He, hmm. he remember he actually saw it. It was like a, it wasn't even the main event. It was like an undercard, right? If there no, wasn't the main that. event, but it was just one of those things. And it, but it was a, it was a, it was, a, it was cool, right? Um, but most wrestling fans didn't know that, so they had this big match. Right? Who's going to win? Andre Giant's never lost, but here's Hulk Hogan, right? So the and the whole time they're kind of wondering. You know, one is Andre going to be able to do the match, and two, the big reason why Andre Giant, even though he did lose matches occasionally, was because if he didn't want to lose a match, how were you going to beat him? There was no way you were going to pin him to the mat. If you, yeah. because a lot of times in these wrestling matches, like overseas and stuff, these old-time wrestlers tell these stories. They were supposed to win a match. The other guy didn't want him to. They, it would become a shoot. They actually would have to fight and wrestle and beat the other guy. You had to know what you were doing, but you could. That wasn't going to happen with Andre Giant. It just wasn't going to happen. So they never really knew until that day uh, what was going to happen. Even when the match started, there's a lot of these rumors where they were like, you know, they don't know if Andre's going to do is going to um, do the honors. That's what they were calling. And so Hogan was like, I don't, like, I, I hope he does because if he doesn't want to, it's not going to work, right? So they have the match, and if you watch the match, it's not the greatest wrestling match in the world, but it was huge. It was huge. Um, I've watched it with my kids several times. Every once in a while, they, it's, it's not a very long match either. They just like to watch it. But um, in it, you can see certain times, and they, they show it in some of the documentaries, like Hogan, Andre Giant has Hogan in like a bear hug, and usually Andre Giant would pick you up and like move you around. He could barely walk at this point. Uh, he was in so much pain. Wow. So Hogan's on his tippy toes, right? Kind of like trying to take the pressure off and stuff like that. Um, but in the middle of the match, or towards the end of the match, Andre tells Hogan, um, body slam me. And Hogan uh-huh. has, did, did body slam him before, but this was years earlier, and he wasn't as heavy. At this point, Andre Giant was over 500 pounds, and he's like, um, wow. "Okay." And he and you, Hogan's like, "Listen," he tells me to body slam him. I'm, I'm gonna body slam him. He's like, "Fine." So he picks him up and body slams him. Um, it wasn't the first time he was, um, Andre Giant was ever body slammed, but at that weight, it's still it's like five over 500 pounds. Yeah. Hogan actually says he um, 
you'll see him kind of like reach back after he body slams Andre Giant. This is dead weight. Andre Giant can't, can't help him, you know, pick himself up. Yeah. He he pulls he pulls the uh, lap muscles in his back. That's nuts. And he actually in some interviews he'll show you like a, he'll like you know pull up his shirt and show you. you can see like the indentations in his back still from like when he just he just pulled everything. He just shredded his back. Uh, that's how heavy Andre Giant was when he. I mean, it's just him. the fact like if you see like the vid, I mean, you could YouTube this. Um, he, he slams him. Like he, he picks him up. That's it. It's nuts. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Yeah, that's pretty nice. So, I know. I, I just always thought that was that was kind of a a cool thing. Cool. Anyway, so yeah, he, he body cool. slams Andre Giant one two three. He wins the match. Um, from there, he still goes on and wrestles. Um, I thought it was Giant. Japan, right? Didn't he finish? He finishes up his career in Japan, right? Well, he he stays uh, for quite some time in the WWE. Um, he wants to become a, a good guy again later on. He becomes he actually becomes tag team champion with this other wrestler named Haku. We're not going to go into him, but if you want to look at some crazy wrestling stories, Andre Giant basically said the only man he ever feared was Haku. <laughs> this guy was a maniac. Um, like some guy called wrestling fake and he said, Oh, this is fake. He pulled, he grabbed the guy by the jaw and just snapped the guy's jaw like underneath, like into his mouth and just snapped it. Yeah, he's no. a guy called wrestling. He's, you know, he's a lunatic. Anyway, I don't want to get into the Haku future <laughs> podcast, future podcast. As everyone Crazy can tell, Tom wrestling. really likes this stuff. I'm just kind of, I'm like unleashing <laughs> Tom over here. He's like, oh, we're not talking about wrestling, but we're not talking about wrestling, but no, no, that's, that's good. We need and context all, here. Like, all, I mean, all, those, is... all, all those wrestling podcasts are going to be getting mad at me, but I'm thinking I'm stealing their thunder. <laughs> yeah, but um right <laughs> yeah so but he he stays around for a while um obviously um up until the 90s he's still there um it's sad i remember seeing him in the early 90s re- not wrestling but he would come to the ring and he ha- he'd have um crutches he'd have to come on crutches because he, the yeah. guy couldn't walk um yeah. and it was sad seeing this guy who was you know seven foot tall 500 pounds and he, can, he can't even move and he's even saying he's like i will i'll be back he's like i'm gonna get you know i'll be back soon and then people are going to pay and stuff like that. And everyone's like, wow, okay. And this is in the you know, early 90s. Um, so then he does like his last appearance is actually um, – he get, gets kind of a fight with Vince McMahon apparently from what I've, what I've read and then I've seen in some documentaries. Um, HBO pretty recently, just maybe last year or so, maybe two years ago, they did a really good, interesting document, documentary on him. Didn't you watch it with your kiddos? Yes, yes. Uh, well, my, is a kiddo was, appropriate? 
not my oh yeah yeah it's fine it's nothing okay it's nothing like that it's the, the yeah they talk about him drinking alcohol but nothing like that and then nothing crazy talked about how what well what, <laughs> one of the things Andre John liked to do in the ring was if you ever watch a tape where he's sitting on someone he's mm-hmm. also farted on them yeah, yeah I read that and they said like there were like intense thirty second farts I said yeah um they said Hogan said he timed one once in the elevator and it lasted over a minute. That's insane. And it was just like disgusting. Like it would literally just like make you vomit. I said, that's what it was. And he would always do that in a match where he would uh, go and just like do that all the time. And Jake Roberts was in an interview saying once that Orange and John was doing that and started laughing and said, oh, sorry. And then Jake Roberts looked over and his shoulder was um, this was basically colored. Uh, I would basically so, say. So but then, then what are you going to do? Like it's, yeah. it's a – Seven foot tall, five hundred pound man. Yeah, you're doing that to you. You're not really going to be able to do much. But he so continues to, to wrestle. He passes um, away from. What is well, he, he goes away? to France. His yeah. father dies. That's what it was, and he's at, he decides he's going to stick around for a little longer. For a little while, because he's having fun seeing all his old yeah. um, family. So that because he lived here, he lived in um, North Carolina actually. Yeah, he had a house they said with a tree that grew through it in like three stories. Yeah. And he had like a giant ranch, and he said the people in the town were so just like, you know, used to him that they didn't like swarm him because he would go somewhere and he would stick out and people would always come over. <laughs> really? <and laughs> well, yeah. But he was yeah, also know, they said, very sad at times because, yeah, yeah, I know. They said so, kids used to point at him and he was upset by that, you know, like, hey, yeah, yeah, wow, you, look yeah. At that. And a lot of his, he would tell a lot of his friends, like, I just wish I could live like one day a week just like you. Like, just like, yeah. you know, walk around and go, go to the movies. He's, he always talked about how he heard about how awesome, um, plays were in new york city like music he always wanted to go to yeah. one and they're like, right, we'll get you tickets we'll go he's like i think i can't go he's like i where am i gonna sit i'm not gonna fit in the seat if i have to get uh, get up and if i sit in front of people they're not gonna be able to see he's like that's not fair to anybody he was very conscious of like how he how he not even, not even necessarily his appearance but just him being there could like throw things off for other people you know yeah. so it was sad and that's why he liked being on that ranch but he did go home for his father's funeral and he basically dies in his sleep he has heart failure yep um, and by sleep. then, you know, by the time he, he's been, I mean, he's been gone since the nineties now, early nineties, but 1992, I mean, yeah, he's running yeah back he away. is, I mean, he, again, if you think about it, this isn't, this transcends wrestling and obviously like mm-hmm. he's also on TV. I mean, he, I remember him well, specifically from one of my favorite movies of all time, the Princess yeah, Bride. Princess Bride. When that part was, um, Fezzik, right? The, the, Fezzik, the giant, yep. basically. Yeah. The giant. The yeah. guy who a gentle the giant. Book. Yeah, the guy who wrote the book, I forgot his name, it's, I can't remember right now, wrote, it was a huge Andre the Giant fan. And he said when they were making the movie, he's like, you have to get Andre the Giant for this movie. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay. So they got him. Do you know, he was, also, he was also in Goonies um, music video, The Goonies Are Good Enough by Cindy yeah. Lauper. Yeah, well, he was, yeah, a lot of the wrestlers were, were with yeah. that because Cindy Lauper was very good friends with Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. Who played the father in, I mean, like, in uh, Girls Want to Have Fun, Rock and Wrestling yeah. Connection. Oh, look at that. There's something new. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he was also played um, Sasquatch in the Six Million Dollar Man. He did. It was the secret, the secret of Bigfoot, part one yeah, and part Bigfoot, two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, yeah, so he yeah. was in a lot of things. And Billy Crystal talks about him very fondly. Billy Crystal wrote the movie My Giant. It was supposed to be um, Andre Giant that was starting the movie with him. That movie yeah. on My Giant. Yeah. Instead, Andre Giant movie. passed away. And yeah. it had um, George Muris on the basketball player filled in yeah. instead. I never saw yeah. the movie. I, I remember seeing it advertised, but it was originally written for Andre Giant. They talked about how Andre Giant was like this very like kind, talk, kind man. To talk about um the Princess Bride, um Carrie Elves, the, the main guy that in the Princess Bride, uh recalled later on when he wrote a book about it a few years ago, 
he said that Andre the Giant got so drunk once, he had like 116 beers, and that he literally just passed out in the lobby mm. of a hotel. Um, and they like they didn't know what to do, so they just left him there because there's nothing that can move him. Yeah, they, they talked before. Yeah, they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't just wake like, him up. And... Yeah, they couldn't wake him up, so they just like left him in this lobby. And like people are still coming in the middle of the night. People had like walk over him. Yeah, and yeah they had to like over him. Like, oh, it's right. It's just under to dry it. But another time, he also talked about this. Like during the making of Princess Bride, he said that he got like really drunk at one point, and he like fell over onto somebody and like crushed somebody. Hmm. And um, they said that after that, they actually had like a NYPD. I'm not sure this is true, but you know, at least this actor from uh, Princess Bride says that NYPD would send an undercover officer to follow them around uh, whenever they went drinking in New York, New York City so that way he like didn't fall on anyone again. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how true that is, but that's pretty intense. Having said that, let's uh, let's get into some of those interesting facts about Andrew Giant. You know, well, what like I think, what... I guess we could, for, I guess, interesting fact, his personal life, he does have a daughter. Yes. Uh, her name is Robin uh, uh, Romanoff. Um, basically, Rusimov, I'm sorry, Romanov, somebody else. Yeah. And um, the she only met her father a few times in her life. She said she always was aware that was her father. Yeah. Um, and if you watch the documentaries, you read the books, even when they said, I mean, again, it might be true, but they said Andre, he talked about her all the time, um, but yeah. he just didn't want her to live, the be exposed to that type of life. Well, he left everything as, he owned to her. Yeah, she, yeah, he left everything. He said he always yeah. wished he had a better Even like his likeness her. and stuff. She has, you have to like she ask has rights, her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rights Anything that they do with her, they have to ask her for permission. That's how she makes yeah. it. I mean, I'm sure she was, you know, she has her, her own career having that too. But yeah, he left everything. The ranch, uh, all of his yeah. money. He still had, a, he was still a multimillionaire when he passed away. Yeah. Uh, because he's still Andre Giant. But his likeness too. So if they make action figures, if he's in a video game, the documentaries, if they, you know, anything like that, they, they have to go through her. And she's, she allows it, obviously. Uh, because she understands it, um, but it's it's sad too. Because she's, I'm sure you would like to meet, know more about your father. I'm sure he would like to have more of a relationship with her. But they only, I think, they might, only a handful of times did they ever actually even meet. She would, he would always send, you know, get presents and stuff like that. But you know, again, you want Crazy. your actual, you want your parent there. Crazy. Uh, so let's talk about his someone is drinking because this is this is there's a lot of interesting. Well, he's he's drink. he's basically unofficially crowned the greatest drinker on earth, right? Yeah. They're saying at one point he drank, had it some here at one time, a uh, hundred and nine. Well, there's more than once, um, but he drank 156 beers, which is yep. about a hundred, uh, hundred, 470 mil, uh, milliliters or yep. 73 liters of beer. And if anyone has a has a chance, when you were listening to this later on, Google a picture of Andre the Giant holding a regular 12, 12 ounce can of beer and yeah, what it looks it. like in his hands. It. It is tiny. I mean, that's why he could down a hundred beers. Like a can was like it. It looks like a little kid's nothing, toy yeah. in it's his absolute, hand. It's absolutely nothing. And they said no. he once went to a bar. He walked in, ordered forty vodka tonics. As soon as yep. he walked in, and he drank them all within a short amount of time. They're just like, and you, he wouldn't even know. They, they wouldn't even like a lot. Of I mean, he would drink that. like five bottles of wine during dinner every day. Like you know, people have a glass of wine at dinner. Like he would have five bottles. Yeah, he would, but he would order it right away, and it wouldn't. And they said a lot of it was to dull the pain because he was in a lot of pain all the time. Um, nice. It was, and that was a problem too. When he got back surgery, uh, at one point they tried the anesthesiologist came in and they tried to figure out well how much can you drink? Is that something we can tell? Like maybe you know to, to feel the 
to start feeling yeah, the effects. Yeah, anesthesia. They couldn't figure then, out how much anesthesia to give them. And they didn't know. So eventually they just kind of equated it with an elephant. That's what they said. Yeah. And yeah, they, they asked him. They were like, realistically, how much can you drink? And this actually came up when he was on David Letterman. And he um, asked you two liters of vodka before he feels yeah. warm. And they're like, and that's Wait, what he <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then David Letterman, that's what he said. Like when he passed out in a hotel like lobby, he said he drank like 117, um, you know, beers in one sitting. One sitting, he sat down and drank 117 beers. Um, but, you know, he was capable of doing like 127 or 150 once. <laughs> like, what? What? Yeah, he, he could do it. But he said he was always like the nicest guy, too. I remember there was this one story that I heard several times. So I'm just going to say it's true because why not? Um, where these guys are kind of giving him and his friends a hard time and saying all this sort of stuff about it. And then as, as they left, they actually um, threw water or beer on one of Andre Giant's friends. So Andre Giant, they, they run out to the car and they try speeding away. And all of a sudden they realize that the car's not going anywhere. They look back and Andre Giant actually has, has picked up the car on the bumper. He's picked yeah. it up. And the car's like trying to drive away. And the guys jump out of the car because they're freaked out. And he actually flips the car over onto its hood, onto its yep. roof. And just they walks away. They said he away. started doing this when he was really young. He yeah, loved, young, yeah. That was he his number one it. prank, like yeah, moving cars. Were, but that's really like, – think about that. That's his prank. I'm just going to flip your car over. Yeah, yeah. It's nuts. You know? And he said uh, the cops came and the cops were just like, what do you want us to do? <laughs> like, they would just be like <laughs> – they all like Andre. He's the kind of cop to go and have a drink with him. They're like, yeah, don't don't make him mad. He wouldn't have flipped your car over. They said that, that whenever he was out with friends. It, it wouldn't happen today, obviously. But. No, no, no. But I mean, whenever he was out with friends, they said oftentimes they're like, oh, let's mess with this person. Like they would just move. Like if it was a smaller vehicle, it was even easier for him. He would literally move cars around, like face the opposite direction of them. Like that was, yeah, his, he, that was his go-to prank. That was his thing. <laughs> yeah, he's, they said he always lifted it through the front and then he would like, in like a squat, like scooch over, like while twisting the car and then go get the back and keep on doing it. Like just lifting cars. Like that's, that's nuts. Um, he also said like his fingers presented like unique problems. Um, he wouldn't be able to use like a cell phone today. Yeah. There was no way he could use a cell phone today. Um, they said he could never use a conventional rotary phone back then. Like he needed to use a pencil, like like a pencil. Yeah. There's no way you wouldn't be able to, (laughs) people listening, they might not even remember some of these people are rotary phone. They're like, what's a rotary phone? Um, also, they said that he always was mesmerized by the sound of a piano, but he could never play the piano because they, they actually measured his one finger would touch three keys. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's just to be so large. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, you're that, when you're that big, it's just hard to imagine. Like, t- take, like, go look at, like, I guess, get, like, not doll furniture, but, like, little kid toys. And yeah. try to like use that as an adult and just sort of, they said it was like going, like going to like a preschool and sit in the chairs. That's what it was like for him. Yeah. He had, and think, other than his ranch, he had like custom built everything. But. Yeah. And that's kind of the talking about custom built things. One of the things, um, like he loved the QVC, right? Yeah, he could order stuff. Yeah. He could order. Yeah. That came out in like mid eighties. And he was like, first of all, he did not like being in public too much because he felt like people stared at him a lot. Again, regardless of how much wealth he had and how known he was. So he would just sit and like, you know, shop on the home shopping network. He would, they said he loved it. He would just all the time would just buy things. He would sit there and watch TV, flip the channels and order things. Oh, this is pre-internet, obviously, you know, yeah. but, and I think just, we kind of glossed over this idea of drinking, but in a grand scheme of things, like he wasn't a drunk. It, he drank no. a lot because his body like really wasn't affected that much by it. That's what it was. The reason he drank so much was it. 
it would take 116 beers to maybe start to dull some of the pain. But really, it's also he was a sociable person. I'm not, you know, not condoning the drinking that much, obviously. But and it was just he he could. I mean, when you're that size, it's yeah. not it's 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 not the same. Like it's just, it, that would kill most people. Yeah. Or you just wouldn't be able to do it. You'd you pass out. And he he would just keep he would just keep on going. And they said no one could ever keep up with him. People would try. He would. They had like competitions and stuff. And there's like no way. Like no one could even come close. Listen, no. Rick Flair used to always tried to beat him, and obviously never came close. There was always a rumor too that uh, he had an extra row of teeth. That it wasn't. <laughs> it's not true, obviously. But they, yeah, I remember in the interview with Rick Flair, he saw he's always, always trying to look up and see if he had like an extra row of teeth and stuff oh, like that's that. That's funny. Because all these that he had like. Um, a heart on both sides. That's another reason why he was so big. And like, what? But that's, these are just the rumors that, you know, came out at the time about him. Hmm. Any other uh, fascinating facts you got about him? Well, I think one that uh, he was the first ever inductee into the, into the hall of they, fame, the hall yeah. of fame. All right. And there wasn't even a banquet, nothing like that. But 1994, he becomes the first person. Um, some of the other stuff, he didn't like wrestling. Um, wrestlers that had baby oil on yeah he hated that. that one i read that. He hated that so if they had it he would just he would just beat them he would just slap them if not if andrew giant like slapped you on the stomach or on the, like the chest it could it could stop your heart so a lot of wrestlers yeah. would like wear it but then if they wrestled on giant they'd be like i'm, I'm not gonna wear it anymore because it's just, it's just not worth it no. <laughs> so imagine that like if he smacked you there's one guy now that um is like big show is that his name yeah big show yeah they said like Paul, he's Paul similar to him, but not. Well, he was that similar size. to him. He he did have. Um, there's still debate if Andre Giant was actually as tall as they say he was. He was yeah. not the tallest wrestler ever. There's been taller wrestlers. Um, Giant Gonzalez was bigger, but he was never really like a name. Um, yeah. But yeah, but the Big Show was actually when he first came out, he was actually billed as Andre Giant's son, and he's not. He wasn't. That's what yeah. he was billed as in originally. Um, but he actually had the um, same same thing. But he had the he, the, he had the surgery during, done, right? Yeah, the surgery done in the like early 90s i guess once yeah. he was diagnosed with it um yeah so that he's kind of like stopped growing he didn't he didn't get the gigantic features as much as um andre the giant did yeah and his well, pictures of andre like having like you know holding like four or five girls four or five wrestlers at the same time yeah it's just massive that is nuts well i mean that's all i got about andre the giant yeah, I'm glad we got to do this time. I feel like one of our longest ones, but yeah, I think it was an interesting one. And and, and I feel like, you know, we, we needed to do this for, for Tom, for Tom. <laughs> I like all the stuff that we do. Don't get me wrong. I just thought this one was like a little, little pop culture, a little, it's always yeah, good to good. bring this a little bit of the uh, sport of Kings into this a little bit, you know? Yeah, this is good stuff. Good stuff. We're not going to do any more wrestlers. <laughs> no, it's not gonna, this is not hey, going to be a never. wrestling podcast. Never said well, never. Well, we know what I want to do. Like, I want to do something about like James Bond, like the history behind like the movie, James Bond. The, you know, yeah, like, like yeah, the Ian Fleming that. was technically a spy during World War II, and then that's how he got his inspiration for James Bond. So that could be very historical, but yeah, still the historical backgrounds of the of the historical yeah. figures and stuff like that. Yeah, it could be fun stuff. Yeah, we've talked about it. We'll figure it we'll out. Make it work. We'll make it work. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. We don't have a boss. <laughs> we are our own boss. Yes, we just kind of like, <laughs> hey, let's do Andre the Giant. Okay. Woo, let's do it. But those of you that did enjoy it. Uh, how could you not enjoy Andre Giant? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, either way, I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in once more to our podcast. It is greatly appreciated. Yes, and if you, you uh, guys ever need anything, you can always find us on a History Teachers Talking Podcast 
um.com. So um, I guess that's it for this week. So thank you very much again. And we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.